What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 129 of The VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell, The VK Bros ourselves. How are you this week, Alex? I'm great. You're great? Because, I'm great because uh, my net worth went up like 20% doing nothing. Nice. Love that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah, into that. Yeah, later. everything's pumped yours? this week. I'm, I'm actually great too. I've had a really, really positive start to the week. Um, Amanda has gone back to work full time uh, from the start of this week. So that's been good for her. New job, new challenges. So she's mm-hmm. she's pumped and excited. Um, I'm excited about having a getting back into a bit more of a routine at home. So I've tried to make a, a really positive... Because now I'm, I'm back to stay-at-home dad life. So now I've tried to make a really positive start to that. And I've been getting into a bit of a routine with Jake. Jake's in a pretty good sleep routine during the day. So I have been eating really well. I've been working out almost every day. Not Nothing major, nothing huge. Just Calorie to, counting. Yeah, calorie counting as well. So I've joined the calorie counting crew, or the, or the CCC, as we like to call mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. when we wear our tomato sauce stained hoods to our ccc meetings um but no, it's been good i feel good uh I, I don't know if i've complained about it on the pod before but um i've got some degeneration in my ankles and essentially it's actually i, I know i have complained about this before because remember way back when i first found out i found out because i thought that i had snapped something in my foot because i had mm. uh, my pinky toe on my right foot just something clicked underneath it and then it just went numb and it was numb for like six or seven months it's still numb in certain parts now so i went to get scans for it and they were like yeah we can't find anything that's wrong with your toe oh by the way you've got really bad ankle degeneration and it's just from years of playing sports and stuff from a young age and probably being a little bit too hard on my body but I've noticed that... Oh, so degeneration basically means I'm, I've worn away a lot of the uh, protective tissue between the bones. So a lot of times I'm a bit bone on bone, especially if I'm being fairly physical. And I have found that the pain has started to alleviate a little bit this week, uh, which is probably from eating a less inflammatory diet. So that's been really, really good. So yeah, I just feel very positive. I feel really, really good, really, really pumped and uh, ready to get into the show tonight. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, let's kick things off with uh, why I've been so happy. I'm so happy. No, first I want to start here. I'll start here first. All right, let's look go. At this, look at this greasy, greasy guy. So for uh, people that are listening, uh, Rukshan, instead of the, attending the World Economic Forum in Davos, Bill Gates flew to Australia to meet with PM Albanese to discuss Gates Foundation policies crafted under Klaus Schwab's WEF agenda. Yeah. And the picture of them uh, shaking hands and uh, Albo looks as giddy as a schoolboy. He looks mm-hmm. like someone that is... Now, in, you notice how he can't see his other hand. I think it's holding the brown paper bag <laughs> and you just can't see it. And that's why he is yeah. so happy. He's going to go and spend those, that, um, that beautiful, uh, uh, Kovax. Is that the system that he had? The Kovax well, scheme? Well, the Kovax scheme that was, des- well, the intention was that it was going to make rich countries buy vaccines for poor countries, but 
because we weren't all of us weren't allowed to see the vaccine contracts that our countries had signed we didn't get to see the fact that Pfizer had control of each country's doses and the final say on where they could go and Pfizer just no-node sending them to any of the poor countries so yeah that scheme the one that basically guaranteed profits for the pharmaceutical companies yeah, yeah. that's look at that photo look at that photo yep so this, this is this is, is uh, really this interesting because Alex. This only... is the one. This is the one they're going to use when. Uh, oh no, is Albo in a relationship? I think, or is he single? Oh, I think he's in a relationship. Well, this is where it's like I know that he you know, was raised by a single mother because he yeah, likes to talk about that all the time. Uh, this will be the picture they use when it's like, oh, Albo was found on some billionaire's island. <laughs> anyway, yeah, possibly, anyway. but it's it's actually really interesting. So. We weren't. Alex only just note only just saw this literally just before we we started recording. And what is funny is this actually plays more into what we were going to speak about tonight than than even I was potentially expecting. So a, a couple of the stories that we're planning on going through is uh, number one, there is the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos going on this week, and uh, we will speak a little bit about the World Economic Forum and the things that they are doing. But closer to home, there was actually a very, very sneaky press release that came out from the government on a Friday afternoon. And you always know that anything that's released on a Friday afternoon is stuff to pay attention to because they deliberately do it so that it doesn't get any traction through the media and people don't pay attention to it. Um, So do you want to start there, Alex? Okay, so this is... So can you just zoom in a little bit, sorry? Help out my old eyes a little bit. So this is from uh, the... This is actually a press release from the government. So a media release from Friday the 20th of January 2023. And it's titled, New ACMA uh, Powers to Combat Harmful Online Misinformation and Disinformation. The Albanese government will legislate. Hold on, before you go on, yeah. What's the difference between misinformation and disinformation? Oh, we we've, we've been through these before, haven't no, we? No, that was malinformation. So malinformation was truthful information that may cause you to lose trust in your government or institutions. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the difference between them. I think misinformation is when you say something that is incorrect by accident. And disinformation is when you deliberately say something incorrect to mislead someone. I think that's the difference. Right. Uh, Anyway, so let's continue. So, the Albanese government will legislate to provide the Australian Communications and Media Authority, which is the ACMA, with new powers to hold digital platforms to account and improve efforts to combat harmful misinformation and disinformation in Australia. This marks a major step forward in addressing the spread of online misinformation and disinformation, which has grown rapidly in scale and speed. The ACMA will be given new information gathering and record keeping powers to create transparency around efforts by digital platforms to respond to misinformation and disinformation on their services while balancing the right to freedom of expression so fundamental to democracy. They really care about the freedom of expression. The ACMA will also be empowered to register an enforceable industry code and to make a standard should industry self-regulation measures prove insufficient in addressing the threat posed by misinformation and disinformation. 
This graduated set of powers includes measures to protect Australians, such as stronger tools to empower users to identify and report relevant cases. So just, just to pause there briefly, you're seeing the same language they have used throughout the last few years, but in particular with the pandemic and also with climate change. This is something else that they are doing to protect Australians. Therefore, it's a good thing, right? They're doing it for your own good. Uh, hold on a sec. I've got something for you. Uh, uh, uh. Can you see that? Uh-huh. So Alex has just typed in the question to chat GPT. What is the difference between misinformation and disinformation? Their response. Misinformation and disinformation are related concepts, but they have different meanings. Misinformation refers to false or inaccurate information that is spread unintentionally. Disinformation, on the other hand, refers to false or misleading information that is spread deliberately in order to deceive people. In other words, misinformation is when someone spreads false information without knowing it's false, while disinformation is when someone spreads false information knowing it's false. Yeah, so that's what I, I thought. Yeah, cool. All right, let's continue with the press release. If you can bring that back up again. Uh, okay. Oh, scroll up. You've... Uh... You've hit the Sorry, keyboard. Sorry, my sneeze was so hard. Come on, man. Okay, these powers are consistent with the key recommendations in the ACMA's June 2021 report to government on the adequacy of digital platforms, disinformation, and news quality measures. Now, note the timing of that report, June 2021. Because it was obviously very, very important by June 2021 to be controlling mis- and disinfo on social sure. media platforms, right? Info. Yeah. Controlling info. Yeah, yeah. Malinformation. Yeah. They are intended to strengthen and support the voluntary code arrangements undertaken by industry through the Digital Industry Group uh, Incorporated, or DIGI for short, and will also extend to non-signatories of the DIGI code. The new framework will focus on systemic issues which pose a risk of harm on digital platforms rather than individual pieces of content posted online. Digital platforms will continue to be responsible for the content they host and promote and, uh, to users in balancing freedom of expression with the need to address online harm. The code and standard-making powers will not apply... Okay, this is, this is the key point to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this very, very slowly. In balancing freedom of expression with the need to address online harm, the code and standard-making powers will not apply to professional news and authorised electoral content, nor will the ACMA have a role in determining what is considered truthful. Isn't that... Do you know what it reminds me of? That statement reminds me of the TGA ruling on ivermectin. Right. Where where if anybody read the entire thing, it literally says... We're doing this because Joe Rogan... That's right. Because that cowboy from America, Joe Rogan, took this successfully. Yeah, so this says, in black and white, this says... uh, We're going to enforce rules on tech companies to stop them from lying. Mm -hmm. But governments and... uh, and, um, Governments and... The what are they called? And the it? corporate uh, media, or professional corp- news as they call it, but it's the corporate media, mainstream. Can have misinformation. And yeah. the uh, this whole body that's been formed to do this, uh, 
will won't have a say in what's truthful or not. They don't. They won't know. That's right. And why is that important, Alex? Well, it's just the same gravy train as before. It's just let's just put Australia in a, in a cocoon of information. Yeah, but, let... but but why is it particularly important that the ACMA itself doesn't have a say in what's truthful and what's not? Oh, is it the a higher power authority? It's, it's, it's no accountability. Horse... Yeah, 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 scapegoat. So, so, so it's, the, it's the health advice. It, exactly, it's the health advice we never get to see. So, yeah. so it's the same playbook they ran during the pandemic. You had the premiers of each individual state enforcing um, the health advice or the health, uh, yeah, the health advice of the chief health officers, which is based on the health advice they'd received that we never got to see. So everyone who actually has to enforce anything gets to kick the accountability can down to someone else because you know, inevitably, uh, the, the things deemed as mis and disinfo are going to end up being correct information down the track. They just want to make sure that the ACMA doesn't have any liability for that. Can we show an example now, the YouTube example? Yeah, I think now is probably a good time to show that. Now, where this came from, I spoke to someone during the week and we were talking about the vaccine rollout and the overarching theme of our conversation was there are feelings and then there are facts. So I, there are very strong feelings that people have and when they're pushed on them, and they try to find facts to facts to back the feelings. Mm-hmm. It goes away. And, and I said, I don't blame people for having feelings because there was literally hundreds of millions of dollars spent on pushing and invoking a feeling and an emotion. Mm-hmm. But you just need to be aware that that, that happens. Yes. So in digging for for because um, he, he said that he never he was never under the impression that. Um, they were told that this that the vaccine was going to stop transmission, or, so or stop infection. Infection, sorry. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just tried to do a quick search because everyone's seen all of the like, well, not everyone, but a lot of people have seen the compilations from particularly American news stations where they just have news news broadcaster after news broadcaster literally reading off the same script, saying all the things right at the beginning of the rollout about how the Pfizer phase three trial data was showing 95% efficacy in preventing symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infection. And it was just anchor after anchor after anchor after anchor, repeating the same script, same script. Now, what, what everyone has probably noticed over the last six months is the, the script has sort of changed where a lot of people who are very big believers in the vaccines... I have now convinced themselves, well, I haven't even convinced themselves, the media has convinced them that we were never told it would stop you from getting infected. It was always just supposed to stop you from being hospitalized or, or dying. Like, yeah. it was never supposed to prevent infection. Anyway, so I tried to go to see if I could find a uh, compilation of Australian news anchors talking about it. Now, stupidly, went to YouTube. Was never going to find that uh, that malinformation on YouTube, was I? Yeah. Um, but I did stumble across this. This was one of the first clips I watched. So there's, there's two little parts. Just We'll just listen to the opening and then just one key point. Some big news overnight from medicine giant Moderna. It believes its jab is effective against new strains of the virus. Now, this comes after the Pfizer vaccine was given the green light here to fight the pandemic with the rollout due next month. The Pfizer vaccine was approved after it met strict standards for safety, quality and efficacy. The first vaccinations are expected in late February. 
two doses of the Pfizer vaccine are required at least three weeks apart. And the TGA will check each batch. More than a thousand vaccine administration sites will be... How much malinformation's there? Okay, so at the, for, for a start, we know that the Pfizer vaccine isn't two doses. It's yeah. multiple doses. It's an initial two plus a booster if, if they had their way every three months. We know that the TGA didn't approve it after strict testing of uh, safety and efficacy because they just approved it because the US FDA approved it through their emergency authorization pathway. And you know that too, because even uh, in the Senate estimates hearing where Jared Rennick was questioning the former chief health officer, Brendan Maloney, if whether or not he actually read Pfizer's uh, non-clinical report, he never even read it. Mm-hmm. So no, the TJ did not approve it after uh, strict uh, safety checks. Uh, it's also been proven, I don't even know if you've seen this, Alex, but there's a, an account that's a very interesting follow on Twitter called Jeeky Leaks. And I don't know who is behind the account, but they are extremely well-versed in medicine, science, chemistry, etc. And them, and they I think it's not an individual, I think it's a, a few different people that are sort of helping out as part of a team. They actually, through Freedom of Information Act requests uh, to the TGA, have found that there are multiple batches of Pfizer vaccine that were actually tested and showed impurities, but were approved for usage anyway and to make matters even worse there were specific batches of Pfizer vaccine which were designated for the uh, Australian Pfizer employee vaccination program that was specifically not tested by the TGA so that raises that raises some questions too and I'll 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 find a link to that thread and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so you know that I'm not just pulling that out of my bum uh, what about the batches? Well, well, that that's what I was just talking about. Yeah. So, so, the, so there's specific batches that are deliberately said that the TGA didn't test, and they were the ones designated for Pfizer employees. So it really makes you wonder if they were getting the same vaccine as everyone else or something completely different. Uh, and obviously, the um, in this Jeeky Leaks thread that he put up, it shows that yeah, okay, they they tested some of these batches but some of them were showing impurities in the mRNA and they still just give, gave them the tick of approval anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the so... only thing on this that isn't disinformation is that the vaccine rollout started in February and there was over a thousand plus vaccination sites. Mm. So uh, it doesn't have a date on here, but it says it's a year old. But it, it so this must have been from January... 21. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone has posted this clip up a year ago, but it was actually from the year before that, right. because the rollout right. started obviously January 21, and now we're in January 23. Okay, so then then the next clip... Just, uh, uh, just, just for any of those playing at home, we're now entering year three of two weeks to flatten the curve, just so you're yeah. aware. Yeah. So now, now we cross over, as we always did and always have done, to the not-so-healthy-looking uh, person that's going to be the health expert. Yes. But she has some interesting things to say. We haven't seen the data yet for this vaccine. Um, 
AstraZeneca vaccine in coming weeks as well. We expect that will be rolled out from March. That's the vaccine being produced here in Australia. While Moderna has revealed it's working on making its vaccine more effective against new strains of the virus. So it will be trialling a new booster shot against the South African variant with Australia watching those results very closely, Sam. Okay. That didn't happen. The the new variant? The booster shot no. for the new variant. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we forgot about that. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I, I only just got reminded of that now. That never happened. Hmm. Okay, right. Thanks, Olivia. Now joining me now is epidemiologist and professor of global biosecurity, Rainer McIntyre. Rainer, appreciate your time. Um, we know this vaccine can stop severe cases of coronavirus, but can it stop the virus from spreading in the community? We haven't seen the data yet for this vaccine. We have seen data for the Moderna vaccine that was presented to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the US, which does suggest for that vaccine, which is also an mRNA vaccine, uh, there is uh, reasonable efficacy against preventing all infections. So Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and now, just pause it. So that's talking about specifically about Moderna, uh, and reasonable, that's obviously not a number. So let's not hold a dead to rights yet, but let's continue the clip. Vaccine, which is also an mRNA vaccine, uh, there is uh, reasonable efficacy against preventing all infections, so symptomatic mm. and asymptomatic infection. Um, there's also a report today saying in the trials, sort of half of the people who were given the vaccine um, suffered headaches or or severe fatigue. Is that something to watch out for? Um, You know, any vaccine, it's quite common to get transient side effects like pain, redness, swelling, aches and pains, um, fever even, um, that we see that with a lot of other vaccines. um, And that's just the body reacting and, and starting to produce an immune response. Uh, the more con- the more serious side effect we have seen with the Pfizer vaccine is allergy, allergic reactions. But if the vaccine's given in um, the proper setting with medically qualified people in attendance, that can be managed. Like at Bunnings? <laughs> yeah, Bunnings car park. Yeah. yeah. Managed as okay. well. Um, how much of Australia's population needs to be vaccinated for this vaccine to work best? It depends on how effective the vaccine is, and there is quite a range. Um, At the moment, all we can compare is the effectiveness against preventing symptomatic infection. And it's 62% for the AstraZeneca vaccine and 95% for the Pfizer vaccine. Oh! Oh. 95% effective at preventing symptomatic infection. Exactly what I've been saying is said on the phase three trial data from Pfizer. Uh, we'll continue. Yeah. Um, if you're using a vaccine that's about 90% effective, you probably need to have at least 70% of the population vaccinated to to have any chance of herd immunity and eliminating the infection. And that... Okay. Remember, remember herd immunity? Yeah. <laughs> we forgot about herd immunity. No, no. It was we, never we were even... programmed to forget about herd immunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah herd yeah. immunity oh. served its purpose at the beginning to drive up vaccinations. And then as soon as uh, it was very, very clear that it was not going to happen, they just pretended that they never spoke about it. 
and re- so and there's that number. Remember, it was sixty to start with. Then it's percent coverage, seventy yeah. percent. Then eighty percent. Then they stopped talking about it. And then at, even at, when Australia was at ninety six percent, there still wasn't enough. And and but what is interesting with this clip too, when I think back to it, is this must have happened very very shortly before because do you remember Moderna and Pfizer were in an efficacy race and we kept getting these releases like oh Pfizer's 86% oh Moderna's 88% oh Pfizer's 90 oh Moderna's 92 oh Pfizer's 95 like it's like they were in this battle so when she says oh we haven't seen the data yet she was referring to the Moderna vaccine so I think Moderna came back in the week after going like oh yeah like we're we're close but what's really interesting, I sent you an article too, and I don't know if you've pulled it up. Um, but this whole Moderna thing kind of fits a little bit of a pattern. And if I can find it here... Do you want me to continue playing the... See if she says any other nuggets? Actually, let me just... I think I just took some screenshots of it. I, I might just have to read it out. Do you want me to continue playing for a minute here we go no 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 no. just before you move on because i I really want to focus on the moderna thing so because it's interesting when she says we haven't we haven't seen the data yet so there's an article that came out on the 11th of january 2023 from cnn so this is mainstream media starting to talk about this now and it's titled fda vaccine advisors disappointed and angry in quotation marks that early data about new COVID-19 booster shot wasn't presented for review last year. So I'll read some of the article from CNN, remembering. Some vaccine advisors to the federal government say they're disappointed and angry that government scientists and the pharmaceutical company Moderna didn't present a set of infection data on the company's new COVID-19 booster during meetings last year when the advisors discussed whether the shot should be authorised and made available to the public. So... It's very interesting, the wording there, because don't forget, especially in America, the Moderna vaccine is part-owned by the National Health uh, National Institutes of Health. So it's owned by the government. So they're literally saying that not only did Moderna not supply them with the data, but the government scientists didn't supply them with the data either. You're such a dummy, Jason. You are such a dummy. Why would you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Why would you? Because they don't have you to. You are still going to sell the units. You're still going to sell the units. And at the end of the day... At the end of the day, no matter what happens, uh, when you make these decisions, you're going to have a face like that. <laughs> you are going to be happy as a pig in shit. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me continue a little bit. That data suggested the possibility that the updated booster might not be any more effective at preventing COVID-19 infections than the original shots. Hmm. The data, the data was early and had many limitations, but several advisors told CNN that they were concerned about a lack of transparency. U.S. taxpayers spent nearly $5 billion on the new booster, which has been given to more than 48.2 million people in the U.S. In quotes, I was angry to find out that there was data that was relevant to our decision that we didn't get to see, said Dr. Paul Offert a member of the Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, a group of external advisors that helps the FDA make vaccine decisions. Decisions that are made for the public have to be made based on all available information, not just some information, but all information. At a ah. meeting, 
<laughs> at a meeting of this FDA advisory group in June and a meeting in September of a panel that advises the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the experts were presented with reams of information indicating that the new vaccine worked. Uh, better than the one already on the shelves, according to a review of videos and transcripts of those meetings and slide presentations made by Moderna, CDC and FDA officials. That data, called immunogenicity, uh, immunogenicity, it's immunogenicity. I'm glad you're reading it. Data. <laughs> I'm a car dealer. <laughs> was, uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Uh, was based on blood work done on study participants to assess how well each vaccine elicited antibodies that fight off the Omicron strain of the virus that causes COVID-19. So remember, they're all literally all they're testing these vaccines for is, do you develop antibodies when we inject them into you? That's it. The data that was not presented to the experts looked at actual infections. Who caught COVID-19 and who did not? It found that 1.9% of the study participants who received the original booster became infected. Among those who got the updated bivalent vaccine, the one that scientists hoped would work better, a higher percentage, 3.2%, became infected. Both versions of the shot were found to be safe by this study that was run by Moderna. This infection data was far from complete. The number of study subjects who became infected was very small, and both the patients and the researchers were aware of who was getting the original shot and who was getting the new booster. So, listen to that. Both the patients and the researchers were aware of who was getting the original shot and who was getting the new booster. What is the thing that we hear all the time about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? Oh, there's no double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized controlled trials. The patients knew which shot they were getting. Yeah. So, so ask yourself this. At this stage in the vaccine rollout, who do you think is signing up for one of these trials? Do you think they're pro-vax or anti-vax? I have a feeling they'll have a Ukraine flag in their Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and, a, guess. and a rainbow. Yeah. So, yeah. do you think that maybe it might be it might uh, create a bit of a bias in the data if you're relying on people who are pro-vax who know they've received the new shot to self-report that they've had a COVID infection? Yeah. Hmm. It's also like that's also um, just from a mental point of view, you are going like that. It's that kind of placebo effect. If you think that you've got the updated one, then you're gonna absolutely think that it's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same reason why I've been all week, well, not all week, but a couple of days, I've been posting up that I, I vote that we should name each new COVID strain after the Teletubbies. Because yeah, they're literally posting up, like, they're, they're, they're calling them mythological beasts at the moment. Yeah. The Kraken. Um, there was a, a new one that came out too. What was that one called? Um, <coughs> excuse me. New one. There, was, there was a new one that, that uh, I heard someone speaking about. It's called the Horus or something not Horus it's it's something similar but it's based on the Greek mythological three-headed dog like that's what they're naming them after they they are literally trying to scare people because when you scare someone what happens they get stressed out when they get a positive diagnosis what happens when you get stressed out your cortisol levels increase what does cortisol do it suppresses your immune system that's why stressed out people get sick all the time um, do you know what I also thought was fun, uh, wild about this clip that we just played was when you used to be able to call the variants by where they came from. Yeah. And then to me, it's like a bit of a game of duck, duck, goose. They're going around like the UK variant, 
the, <laughs> you know, the South African variant, and then yeah. they got to China, and they're like, goose! And, <laughs> and they just... Well, but that that's also what happened with the the naming. Remember when they were naming them all based off oh, yeah. the... Uh, was it the Greek alphabet? Greek alphabet, yeah. Yeah, and the next variant was supposed to be G, which is XI, because yeah. I think that comes after Omicron, and then they just changed it to a, a brand new name, and and the thought process was that they didn't want to offend President Xi from China. Yeah, and to be fair, there's like China's got enough influence on the virus, like they made <laughs> well with I, US money. <laughs> well, with US money and know-how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't forget, uh, it was the American company, the Eco Health Alliance, that were the ones that approached DARPA way before all this happened with the proposal to literally create yeah. COVID. So I think it, it was... It is more American than it is Chinese. It is more American than Chinese. But it's just like how uh, if you're trying to sell T-shirts, where do, like, where do you go to produce your T-shirts to sell, to make profit online? You go to China because you can put a big bulk order in and you get that... Yeah. Then you get the cheap shirts in, you sell them, you make big profit, and then you look like Bill Gates and Albanese in that photo. He's so happy. He's so, so happy. happy. Okay, let's see if she's got any more. Uh... Just, just also one, one quick thing. Um, the the extra data that wasn't included in the original uh, information given before they made the decisions, it was actually posted as a preprint online in on June twenty five, which is three day before the FDA advisory board was due to meet. Mm-hmm. Normally. Pre, from at least from what I've heard, normally preprint data, if it's being used to approve something, is posted up like six months prior to approvals. Yeah, but I we'll just see. just stick it up on the internet three days beforehand, because then you've got the you know when you can do use the wayback machine on the internet. Yeah. We well, go. Hey, well they had all the information. It was posted on the yeah, internet. Yeah, yeah. It was in yeah. the right spot before they made the decision. Right. Let's see what she's got to say means stopping sustained community transmission. Okay, and we're hearing lots of talk about these new strains, the UK and the South African strain in hotel quarantine in Australia. Does this Pfizer vaccine protect people from these new new mutations that they're being called? It probably does. Um, there's data that... That's good enough. <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> I think I think the science is settled, don't you? Well, uh, it probably does. Sounds better than our study suggests. It doubles your chance of getting infected. Same <laughs> <laughs> protect people from these new new mutations that they're being called. It probably does. Um, there's data that uh, Moderna have just released yesterday, actually, which is a similar vaccine showing that their vaccine protects uh, pretty well against the UK strain. Um, The antibodies produced against the South African strain are a little bit less, but still uh, well above the threshold for protection. So, uh, and the other thing is... What's the threshold for protection? Is that like from zero to one out of a hundred? Wouldn't one, wouldn't it, one it de- it be a threshold what, for protection? It depends what you're defining as uh, being protected from. 
if you're being protected from infection, which is what I believe this conversation's about, then I think you're right. It's either zero or it's one. Yeah. You're either protected or you're not. Yeah. But if you then are just trying to say, oh, protection from severe illness, hospitalization and death, then you can throw out an ambiguous term like that and get away with it. Mm. Any vaccine can be modified or tweaked to match a new strain. So That didn't happen until now. That took how, two years? Yeah, but... but, but Bivalence, the first updated booster, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's the first updated booster, and it was based on uh, Omicron. Uh, what was the variant? BA one and BA two. Yeah, BA one and two. Oh no, I think it was BA five. But now we're on XBB, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's not the end of the story. Okay, right now, McIntyre, thanks very much for your time. Now, the first group of Australians will receive. It. Now, can we just let's just revert back slightly because. I don't want to get too far off topic because the whole reason why we even played that clip was because of this legislation they're bringing in. The only people who are about who are allowed to lie are politicians and the corporate media. And you've just seen an example of it right there. Like, think about the uh, the view. Can you can you look up while I while I rant mm. about this? What the viewership is of Sunrise? Yep. Because think about the amount of people who like. I, I did it at the beginning of the pandemic. Here's my scenario. I've just had my first child. I'm scared for the child. I'm not worried about me. It's not, life's not about me. As soon as you have a kid, it's not about you anymore. So I'm like trying to find any bit of information I possibly can on what the hell's going on and what I need to do to keep my family safe and particularly my newborn son safe. So I was turning on the news every day to find out what was going on. And think about the amount of people that would have turned, tuned into Sunrise or Channel 9 to listen to Carl Stefanovic, like Dr. Carl and Dr. Koshi, plus the ABC on top of that too, to, to get this information. And really, that entire uh, video we just watched was misin... At the very best, it was misinformation. It was incorrect information delivered by accident because they didn't know it was false. At the worst, it is disinformation, which was incorrect information they deliberately fed to you. But either way, it was incorrect. But under the this sunrise new... average, uh, averages four hundred and thirty thousand a day. Okay. So there's well, there's four hundred and thirty thousand people that would have watched that. Oh yeah. And they would have gone. Oh, it would have been more back then. Sign me up because yeah. these things wouldn't have been approved if the TGA didn't think that they were safe and effective Pfizer is 95% effective at preventing symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infection and I want to be part of the resistance and I know that that lady just said that if a vaccine is 90% effective you need to get 70% of the population vaccinated to get herd immunity so I'm going to be one of the good guys who gets out there and does my part because it's safe to do so Mm-hmm. That is misinformation. Okay, and, I'll, can, I'll sorry, move on from that subject now. No, no, can I just tell one quick story? I want to tell yeah. one quick story in which relates to this. Uh, Alex and I sell car- Well, Alex sells cars. I used to sell cars. Back when I first started, or just after I first started, um, I the first brand I ever sold was Kia. And I started selling Kia just when they were going from their, through their transition of being cheap and cheerful to trying to become more of a premium product, right? 
And the first really sexy car that Kia came out with was the Kia Optima. And I'll always remember, I think it was about 2014, roughly, uh, they sent out all of the um, point-of-sale marketing material. So it's always posters or these poster board stand-up things, and you have to put it all around your showroom to advertise the products. And they send out new uh, marketing material every single month. And the Kia Optima SI, which is the base model, was on sale at the moment for $29,990 drive away. The poster had a picture of the Platinum, which is the top of the range, which is about 41 grand. And I remember showing it to my manager going, um, I don't think this is right because if we put this poster up, people are going to go, the picture on the poster is 29990 so I want that model for 29990 And I remember showing it to my manager and he was like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel good about it. Just don't put that poster up. So I didn't put it up. Turns out, there was a customer that went into a dealership, I think down in New South Wales, who said, I want that car for $29,990. And now we're like, no, 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 that's the Platinum. It's actually the SI that's on sale and blah, blah. Anyway, the guy threatened to sue. It all went through the um, C, and Kia was found to be in breach because it was false advertising. So they had to give this guy a Kia Platinum for $29,990. So it cost Kia $11,000. Yeah. Because they misrepresented a car. Yeah. And they had to cop to it. So the ACCC intervened and this guy got an $11,000 windfall because they misrepresented a car. Mm. Now look at what we've done in this country in the last two years with this vaccine rollout. We have misrepresented a medical product which has proven over time to be neither safe nor effective. Those are the two things that they marketed on. Safe and effective. It's neither of those things. If there's any statisticians out there that we that we, we spoke about this, I think the definitive data set will be a a uh, a number axis and then across the bottom a time axis. And we wanna show we wanna show the case numbers in Australia or any given spot, case yep. numbers. We wanna show death numbers. We want to show vaccine numbers. Yep. And then we want to show that, like a highlighted section of when the different strains came in. But you'd also, on that same uh, graph, you would also want to show specifically COVID death numbers and uh, uh, non-COVID related death numbers too. Because what we've seen, particularly in the last 12 months, is not only have the COVID death numbers increased, which means that the vaccine is not providing the, the protection that they have moved on to claiming it would, but we've actually had an increase in all-cause mortality as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and from all the articles that you see about it, they blame it on everything. They blame it on, oh, it's people... Like, I, I saw an article today that um, it literally says uh, heart... I think it was ischemic heart disease deaths were up 17% in Australia. Here's why. And what they explained it was, was because of COVID, people weren't presenting for normal checkups uh, right. at GPs, etc. So therefore these things went untreated and therefore that's why that many people died. Do you know, there's a crazy part to me is that even if that's the case, and we know it's not, yeah. but even if that's the case, 
why the hell aren't we talking about that on the news every day? Why don't we have a picture? Why why isn't Koshi and the Cash Cow standing in front of a screen that has a big red heart on there talking about heart attacks? Why aren't we talking about it? That's well, killing more people than COVID ever did. But, but they have talked about heart attacks on the mainstream media because they've tried to talk about all of the different reasons why heart attacks mm. seem to be increasing, which has been things such as, oh, all the the athletes that are dying, it's because they get stressed out because someone the ref blows the whistle too close to yeah, them. Yeah, that was a that was a or that, that was a real doozy. Climate change has, mm. is causing heart attacks. Or now I don't know if you've if you've been paying attention to this, but in America there is the 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 next thing they're moving on to get out of people's homes is gas stoves. Have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this push to get rid of gas stoves and the people trying to get rid of them are claiming that, oh, it's because of the pollution that the gas is putting off. And obviously liquid natural gas is something that is like, it's a fossil fuel. We shouldn't be using it. It's bad for the environment, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone needs to move from gas stoves to electric stoves. Now I have my opinion on why they're doing this. Would you like me to quickly share that with you? Yes. It's on a bit of a different subject, but very briefly, uh, I am of the belief that they are trying to convert the general populace to use electric everything, electric stoves, electric cars, uh, and well, sign... Yeah. What's homes. that, sorry? Obviously homes. Yeah, homes, all, all that sort of stuff. They want everything to run off electricity because at any point in time, they can turn it off. Mm. So the thing about a petrol or diesel car, you've got the ability to use that vehicle when the power goes out. The thing about a gas stove, you can use that when the power goes out. So I believe they want enough people to change to these things and then they can mess with us whenever they want to. Yeah, because it seems mental to uh, be trying to push everybody to electricity stuff when there's no electricity. Yeah, where are you going to get the power from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, let, let, let's get back to... to the, oh, you wanted to move on to a different subject, didn't you? Yeah, so I... Uh, this is what we actually wanted to start the show with and we ended up um, getting diverted. But I've had an excellent week because uh, Bitcoin has gone off its tits. Yo, yo. Uh, it's currently at uh, 22,700 US. I think it nudged. Let's see. I think it nudged. Oh, a little spike. It nudged 23, <laughs> 23 to US. Yeah. Now... There's a whole bunch of people, a lot of technical analysis now says that the the bear market is over and we're back in the bull run, which to me, I still don't see. I think, and again, I'm no expert, but I think it might have something to do with the US debt ceiling. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So for those that don't know, <coughs> when Trump was in power, there was a there was a government shutdown. Yep. And the government shutdown was because of the debt ceiling. Yes. Now, what it means is they're supposed to be written in, into the law in America of they can only go into certain a certain level of debt. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I've got a tweet up here. The total U.S. national debt is over thirty-one trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute certainty the debt ceiling will be raised. Jason, it's almost like there is no ceiling. Hmm. Uh, this will be the 79th time the US will raise a debt ceiling since 1960. <laughs> if, pub- if a publicly traded company did this, 
it would be considered massive corporate fraud. Agreed. Okay, so this is the equivalent of, okay, so imagine, let's use the company, let's use the business as, a, as an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say my business, let's say my, I, I have a bunch of cars, I'm making some income off selling those cars, yes. but I want to have more cars, <laughs> Yeah. right? Or the, or the income I'm making off those cars is not enough to pay for my expenses, mm-hmm. but the way to increase my income is to increase the amount of cars that I have. And the only way I can increase my cars is by increasing the amount of, I have to borrow money to buy more cars. Yes. Right? Now imagine if we just had to keep doing that and keep doing, keep doing that and never, ever, 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 ever made a profit. Yeah. Now, there is an image up here, which is from usdebtclock.org, which has the US national debt sitting at 31, it's actually 31 and a half trillion. So in his, he yeah. <laughs> probably in the time that it took him to yeah, write that over. Way, it went up half a trillion. Yeah. Debt per citizen, $94,000 per citizen. So just to explain what that means, when you were born, you were born owing the government $94,000. Yeah, yeah. Debt per taxpayer, $246,000. Yep. US federal spending, $6 trillion. Is that trillion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, year. trillion per year. Mm-hmm. The US federal deficit is one point call it one point four trillion. Yeah, so we're going so backwards. Just, just explain what that means briefly. So we spend six and we raise three point six. Yeah. So in so other words, in at taxation, the end of the year, you're behind by one point four trillion every year. Yeah. Now, okay, look, everyone has a bad year. I've had months where I've lost money, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, when I first started. I made a loss in my first year, only yep. a small loss, but I made a loss. All right. uh, US federal debt to GDP ratio. So uh, GDP is gross domestic product, which is yep. basically a, a measure of how much money effectively a person makes. And then they add it all up and that's the that's your GDP number. Mm-hmm. 1960, the debt was 53%. Yep. 1980, it was 34%. So that's pretty good. Now, can we also say 1960 would have been in the post-war rebuilding period too? Mm, Is that fair to say? No. I mean, the war war. finished in 1945. I'm sure there was a lot of investment that went into that, including people. No, I reckon if you went back, no, I think it would have been done much earlier than that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1960, they were planning their next war. Uh, (laughs) 2,000, 59%. Now, 121%. Yeah. Now, okay, I, that should never go over 100. Ever. Like, like that's wild. That's yeah. wild. Uh, US federal budget deficit surplus... Oh, sorry. Deficit... Uh, it's a deficit surplus to GDP ratio. Yeah, so 1.54% in 1980. Yeah, that was Okay. 3.36%. Yeah, that was okay. 1.64%. That's yep. great. So that's surplus in the year 2000. Yep, in the year 2000, yep. Uh, 9.66% in 2010. Ooh, that's gone the wrong way. Yep. And then 5.39%. So it's, it looks like it's not as bad as 2010, which would, would have just been coming out of the rebuilding of... Uh, well, out of the GFC. GFC. But also, how did, like, what's so interesting about that is that... Th- that financial picture to me, especially around that 2010 mark, is the same thing as what we're experiencing now at the excess death rate. Like they blame 
they would blame that mark on the GFC. But that, to me, is not the GFC's fault. It's how the government handled the GFC yeah, by bailing yeah, the bank shot. Sure. The same as these excess deaths, they are blaming on the COVID pandemic. But all the excess deaths aren't coming from the pandemic. They're coming from the way we handled the pandemic. That's the key. Yeah, the problem is, um, with, as your debt gets larger, the interest paid, the interest payment gets bigger. Yeah. And America's at the point now where they're not even making enough money to pay the debt. Now, I have said this to you before, right? So this is not a thing to get worried about because uh, Japan is in way worse inflated um, um, debt than that. Mm -hmm. You can live in a debt-based society. The, the wheels will keep moving. But it's still not ideal. Mm -hmm. At some point, it has to stop. Yeah. Now, the only way to stop it, like you'll never recover from that. Like it's no. done. You, 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 no one's coming from thirty-one trillion. No one's ever paying that down. Can I? Can I just say I just did a quick calculation while you were reading that out based on Australia's debt because we're at a trillion dollars worth of debt now as well. Yeah. The U.S. population is about three hundred and thirty million people, I think, off the top of my yep. head, and their yep. debt is thirty. Was it thirty-four? No, uh, it's thirty-one and a half trillion, right, yep. wasn't it? So Australia has twenty-six million people and a debt of one trillion. So in other words, they have 31 times more debt than we do, but they only have 12 times more people. Ah, interesting. So we're in so worse shape. I thought, no, 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 we're in way better shape. But no, I thought- you say those numbers again? So the US has 31 times more debt than we have. Oh, 31, sorry. Yeah, but yeah, they've yeah. only got 12 times more people yep. for that debt to service. Yep. And I thought we were fucked. Yeah. They are, yeah. they are more than twice as fucked as we are. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, it's not as... So in terms of the, the, the layman on the street, nothing's going to change, okay? Uh, all, all, but what it does to, to, I guess, the investor class, it really illustrates how worthless fiat currency is. Yes, agreed. So you... Like you, you've built a system using this currency that you had to, uh, you had to borrow from central banks. Yeah. You had to print more money to get the the the, the cogs to move. Yeah. At an yeah. unsustainable rate. And just just to consider too, like that tweet that you referred to said that if any corporate business did this, they would say that it was fraud. Yeah. Then add on the fact that in the last twelve months. The, the the let's call it the corporate business the corporate business that is in that much debt and committing that much fraud to get into that position in the first place has then gone and borrowed another 100 billion dollars to send to a different country overseas that they're not yeah. even technically allied with yeah i still think um i think i've mentioned that i don't know if i mentioned to you or mentioned on the show i wonder if that has a byproduct I wonder if that actually does you a favor because the money's not because you'll they're not giving it to Ukraine. Yeah, it's a loan. It's a loan. Yeah. Therefore it probably sits on the other it like it sits in the creditor list. So I wonder if it's a technique used on their balance sheet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think... And because you're moving it out of the country, it's is it not maybe it's not 
uh, US debt now, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're doing GDP numbers. To be fair, I think what they're really doing with Ukraine is they are trying to indebt Ukraine to the US so the US gets to control Ukraine moving forward for no the foreseeable no future. Doubt. Absolutely. And that will be primarily for their natural resources, but it'll also be for the 46 bio labs that the US uh, Department of Defense has set up in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, plus, it, it, it allows them to have a foothold in front of Russia without them even joining NATO. So I think that's what the play actually is. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, is a lot of people think that the US sending all of this money is, is just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. These are loans that the Ukraine is paying interest on from day dot that they will probably never be able to pay back, mm. which means the US owns them. So I've just pulled, uh, I've pulled the Bitcoin um, uh, chart back up again. Yep. And I, when you go the year, now time flies when you're uh, in a slum. Um, there's a lot of red here. Mm-hmm. When it when it really dropped from forty seven thousand US, now it was a high of sixty four, but there was this like little sort of dead cat bounce that jumped back up, and then yep. we've sat in the red ever since uh, June last year. Yep. Until now, it's been it's been red, you know, with a low of what's the the biggest lows? I think uh, fifteen is lower than that. Caught, uh, caught fifteen thousand US dollars, and there's still like a long way to go just to meet the um, the resistance point of. Yep. Uh, what's happened for the last year i'm still not convinced but i just wonder if this ceiling talk made people think what am i doing like why have i got cash if you reflect back i said ages ago when we're speaking about bitcoin that the main reason why i think bitcoin is a guaranteed surefire earner over a long period of time is inflation it's a hedge against inflation and inflation doesn't get better if you increase your debt ceiling and borrow more money when you're running a government that has a deficit of 1.4 trillion dollars per year yeah all you know is that the american currency is going to get uh debased by 1.4 trillion dollars every single year yeah that's which means If you are in a scarce commodity like Bitcoin, you can only go up over yeah. time. And I, that's where I, I, I wonder where some... I wonder because last week's pump actually came from some short uh, squeezes where there were some big shorts that got liquidated so they were forced to buy, yeah, um, which pushed the buy side pressure up. But this, this latest part... Like, I didn't even notice. I literally picked up my phone and went, dude, like, my portfolio up my portfolios jumped like 5% yeah. in an afternoon. And the only thing I could think of is everyone's talking about this debt ceiling. And look, the debt ceiling talk is pantomime. Yeah. They'll always put it up. It yep. was never a question. They've got an unlimited checkbook. Like imagine if you, this is FTX. Like like yeah, the yeah. US treasury is FTX. Yeah. It's a, all it is, it's a political talking point where they yeah. bring it up like it's a big deal. Because obviously, if if you don't raise the debt ceiling and you shut down the government, then it cuts off services primarily to poor people. So mm. they bring it up like it's this big deal and they go, oh, like, can we? We can't. Oh, should we? We shouldn't. Oh, look, we need to do it for the good of the American people. 
Yeah. And then it gives political clout to whoever's the the ruling party that's in in office at the time. But both yeah. of them do it, whether it's Republican or Democrat, they oh, both sure. do yeah, the yeah, same yeah. shit. Yeah. But um, let just keep, keep it on. It's still cheap at twenty grand. It's still oh, yeah. cheap at twenty thousand bucks. Like when you look at when you look at this this long chart and you and you go, like think about how many people in like five years time will go, man, I wish I could have bought it at this level here. Yeah, it's literally yeah. a third, a third of the high, the yeah. previous high. Yep. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and, and, and what's interesting too is it's not just uh, crypto that's uh, pumped over the last mm. week. It's a stock market too. Stock market's gone hard too, yeah. Like my stock market portfolio is performing extremely well in just the last week in particular. Now, yeah. it's because I invest in the corrupt ecosystem because I've got shares in Vanguard's ETF and Vanguard owns all of the good COVID shit. So do I. I'm um, thinking about... I have... Because I'm at a loss, I bought them at $98 and they're at $91 now. Yeah. And I just can't sell stuff at losses. No. So I'm just going to... Like, especially, you know, while you're getting the dividends, and but all the dividend yields I'm putting into Bitcoin. Yeah. But and, if, and at if least I don't get to my target dividends. of having one full Bitcoin by my birthday this year, I will just sell to get it. Well, I've just looked it up and it's gotten back there. It's already, it's at $92.07 right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and it, it is on, on the upswing, but everything's on the upswing at the moment. Yeah, which means, to me, that's not real. To me, that there's... It, that's still saying to me there's too much silly money out there. Yeah. And we all know what that means. Next interest rate rise, uh, the next time the um, Reserve Bank gets together in Australia, they'll just put the rates up, put the rates up, put the rates up because they need to have the squeeze. Everything should be red. Here's the thing though, right? I think, I think you're exactly right with all of these things, but it actually, it gives me more of a positive feeling than a negative feeling rather than... So rather than Of course saying, you would. Of course you would. Because you're not an investor. I'm a gambler. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, you're, you're using emotion. No, no. This is... This is Green, hear me good. Out. Hear me out, right? You were saying that the US debt ceiling is is bullshit, right? It's a non, it's non-issue. They're going to increase it. It's all good. Yeah. So I think potentially a lot of the red was people over the last few months going, things aren't going too well in the economy. Let's start pulling back a little bit, maybe selling, hedging some bets, pulling some out where I can. Maybe I'm in slight profit or I'm, I'm even here. I'm going to pull this out of the market before it tanks. Mm. Have ever, has everyone just gone, we know the US is going to keep borrowing money. They'll keep everything pumping. Let's just go back in. Yeah, Exactly. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah. So the funny it, money will never stop. No, no, Because they'll no. just keep increasing no. the debt ceiling. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. That sentiment is not the real marketplace. That is emotional money mm-hmm. being pumped in because it's sitting on the sidelines waiting for something. Like, like nothing's happened yet. All right, let's just pile it in. That's not good. That's not smart investing. And as we've There's just seen... No the world's largest economy also just happens to be the world's largest Ponzi scheme. Yes. So real markets don't matter. <laughs> no, no, no. But the smart players will not be putting money in now. 
I'm telling you. No. I, I can see, I'm saying it here, there is going to be some red in the future. Oh, for sure. Real bad oh, for red. sure, for sure, for sure. So, and it's Bitcoin included. Typical, typical rules of investing that we just need to reiterate because if anyone takes this as, as financial advice, it's not. I've had a this size glass of whiskey. It ain't financial mm. advice. But what I will say is this. Number one, investing is gambling. It is inherently risky no matter what you invest in. So never invest money you can't afford to lose. Mm. Always have extra put aside for investing rather than going all in on anything. It's the yep. dumbest thing that you can possibly do. Because even if it don't is... Don't borrow to invest is a big... Yeah, yeah, that's a big one as well. Don't don't leverage trade or anything like that. Um, it is... Even if it's something like Bitcoin, which we, we are big believers in Bitcoin, and we think that Bitcoin is going to keep... It'll go to the stratosphere over a long period of time. Long period of time, yeah. But don't invest all your money in it now so that mm. when the economy shits itself and you need money, you then have to sell at a loss just to be able to yeah. function, right? Yeah, be smart. Only invest what you can afford to lose is is the yeah. number one tip from, from investing. And on that financial advice... Let's leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.